You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hello, everybody. David Hall. Hey, hey. Greg Hectus. What's up, guys? And special guest, Tyler Williamson. Hey, everybody. This week on the show, we welcome one of our newest members to Team Tifosi, Tyler Williamson. Also, if you're interested in the latest in high-quality pedals, stick around for some exciting new and updated players on the market. Also, remember you can follow along with us on your mobile device and in real time as you listen to the show. And see for yourself all of the great topics and podcasts we'll be discussing by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting the show notes. We hope to see you there. GridFinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. GridFinder is also a great resource to find paint designers and race commentators. Recently, they've been adding some great articles discussing various aspects of running leagues and sim racing in general. GridFinder is constantly adding helpful content and giving us all the more reason to visit www.grid-finder.com. Visit us to find a league or to upload your own. GridFinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. GridFinder.com Tyler Williamson, we finally get you on the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Mike. All right. Well, you've been a part of the team Tifosi for uh, how long now? Um, I think I joined right before Daytona. Okay. So you've been around uh, several weeks of the season so far, uh, and we just haven't got you on, but we're happy to have you. That's for sure. Um, but let's get to know you a little bit more uh, for our audience. I'll ask some questions. We're going to start with, when did you first hear the word iRacing, and then what did you do about it? So I am a huge Dale Jr. fan, and you can't think of iRacing without thinking of Dale Jr. with what he's done with that. So I've heard of iRacing for a very long time, um, as far as I can remember. I actually used to play the NASCAR 94 on the old Windows 95, uh, the old Papyrus Racing. So um, it's something that was always talked about and and just I I can't even remember when iRacing actually started, but I just remember junior talking about it and uh obviously falling in love with it with everything since then now you're literally 12 days away from your one year anniversary so i would i would say you're still a rookie with iRacing oh absolutely i've uh been console uh straight up from uh, playstation one so just always wanted to make the jump just never had the pc to do it and then um after meeting uh mr mccubbin i fell in love with it and haven't looked back since then all right now you've been over at brian's house and you've tried his craziness over there right so uh that pretty much hooked you huh yeah the old uh rig mahal it's um it's pretty nice uh nothing like that um that that i have but uh it's it it hooked me big time okay so let's talk about what you're running looking at your profile most of your starts are oval so it looks like you're oval centric winning percentage 2.3 percent overall 
what do you run uh, besides NIS? I know we got you started on that, but what else do you run besides that? So I was doing uh, really well in street stocks. Uh, street stocks was my big thing. I uh, really enjoyed doing that. Um, I was running the trucks a little bit, Xfinity, you know, regular A-Cup. Uh, I just started NIS this year with you guys. Um, but before Daytona, I had a uh, 2200 I rating, and now I'm back down to a 16. So <laughs> I definitely feel like I'm uh, definitely getting some more races in. But um, yeah, no, I, I normally, I love the street stocks, love doing that. Uh, they just changed the model on there, so it's kind of like a, a fresh start again. Um, mostly the oval stuff. I, I really enjoy doing the um, Simpro Lab, the uh, Mazda cars in that. Um, I'll do dirt every now and again um, when I can. Just don't have too much time for the dirt. But uh, 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 Rallycross, that's that's a lot of fun. I, I like doing the trucks and um, really just mashing the gas and throwing some dirt sometimes. All right, so you get around, it looks like, and try all the different stuff. So let's talk about your uh, setup. What do you have for hardware, wheels, pedals, and that kind of thing? Yes, yeah, so I am currently on the OG27 Logitech. So um, I, I love the wheel. It's great. I'm ready to upgrade, but uh, it, it does really well. I actually have a uh, rig done. It's an 8020 rig by 4Play Racing. Uh, something similar to what Brian has, just this is the competition light that I use. So I got the G27 paired up with that, and I got a uh, got went with the HP Omen as my computer, so I got the 2070 Super. Um, pretty much no issues. It was ready to run, got it last year, and, um, and no need to upgrade anytime soon. Everything does what it needs to. Okay, so it, you got a nice rig. You got a nice video card. That's the same card I have, by the way. Um, and uh, you got a wheel that'll last a long time. In fact, I had a G27 for years before I upgraded. So um, nice setup. But now what about your monitor? Are you using VR? Are you on triples or what? So I am single monitor right now. I have a ultra-wide curved uh, scepter. It's a 36, 38. Um, it, it does fairly well. I've tried the VR before, but... but um, a little bit of motion sickness gets a little bit involved. I don't know why, and the uh, camera shake that gets to me. So um, eventually, I do want to get to VR just because I definitely want to be fully immersed like that. Um, but for now, it's just a single ultra wide. Okay. What about third party software? I know you're running TeamSpeak, but what else do you got going? Yeah, I do TeamSpeak. I'll also do, um, I have a, a spare cell phone uh, that doesn't use anymore. So I run SimHub through that. Um, use that as a second screen, put it right next to the wheel. Um, use race labs. Uh, obviously, trading pinks is always running crew chief. All the good stuff. Okay, very good. You know about all that. Uh, what about league and hosted? Are you doing anything in that arena? No, nothing league, nothing hosted. I'll pop in hosted every, uh, every now and again to do, um, uh, I believe it's called Talladega Got a Pit. And it's just, I love restricted plate racing, especially with the new model that's out. And uh, I just can't seem to stay off the track. So it's even better in hosted since it doesn't really attack my, my ratings. Now, I was going to bring up a story. Uh, you and I had some fun the other day. Um, you ran the trucks at the uh, iRacing Super Speedway. And I popped in to kind of watch and spot you. or I, I don't know what the situation was, but I was watching. And uh, it, it was kind of fun because I was like, you know, hey, why don't you try something else? Because I was watching you, how, where you ran and how you run. And I kind of gave you a, a different idea. And then you didn't think twice. You just did what I told you to do. And then tell me what happened. 
man, we went from where were we? We were like twelfth uh, or thirteenth, and went right to the front in about a half a lap. Uh, just went right up through that middle, and uh, I got to tell you, Mike, I have been using the middle ever since that race. So that was so much fun. I was trying to get some of that AJ magic that happened the other day, um, and it was uh, it, that was probably the most fun I've ever had in a, doing this on the ovals yet. Yeah, normally this is a move you take at Talladega, which we do have coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, because on the Talladega, you know, people are on the bottom and the middle. But if you're really good, you can make a new middle that's kind of in between the middle and the bottom. And that's exactly what you did. And the, the side draft is, like you said, took you right to the front. I was excited, to say the least, to see you just march up through there after just a few little tweaks I gave you. And, and uh, boom, that was a, a blast. Yeah, that was awesome. And, and that, that side draft was amazing because going back and looking at the replays, you can see where I'm drifting a little bit high to pick up that guy and then drifting low, just like I said. And um, man, that was awesome. I, I could have used you so many other times. <laughs> yeah, and then you were there to witness another moment that we had with another teammate, uh, AJ Pritchett, uh, when he won a race at Atlanta. And, and, and you, had a, you were part of that moment, and I know it was a special moment for me and AJ, but it was special for you too. Yeah, that was incredible. That um, it, it, even I actually re-listened to that show just going through that interview with him and just being a part of it that night. I mean, it was just a very casual night. It was just us three, you know, kind of hanging out. He was doing his race, and then next thing you know, he's he's racing for the win. And um, it it, it seems so real. It, it really does. Um, hearing the calls, the, the plays going on. And then all this silence, nothing happened. And I'm, I'm the guy on the team speak asking, okay, what happened? What happened? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That was a blast. So, uh, well, it, we've had some good fun with you uh, since you've been with us and uh, real happy to have, uh, have you on the team. So thanks for coming. Absolutely. I, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm so excited to be here and, and you guys have been great teammates. I've, I've changed so many different little things that I do just off a of simple, Hey, why don't you try this? Or why don't you do that? And, um, it, it's definitely helped me so much. Greatly appreciate it. Okay, so let's wrap up with that final question that we ask everybody. Uh, what's your most memorable iRacing moment so far? Even though it's not my moment, I would have to say that, that AJ, that was cool just being a part of that. But if I were to pick something on myself, it would be uh, actually snagged a, a win at Daytona in the uh, Xfinity cars, the B-Class um i led one lap and it was the last one three wide on the high side so um second place was kind of there was a big wreck uh, behind us uh coming out of turn two on the last lap and second place was trying to take his shot and i figured i could bog him down too and uh it actually worked off i went high side going into three um kind of tugged on him a little bit stayed at his rear and uh actually pulled it off and we were all three wide it was very close and, and that was the only lap i led all right. Well, nice win. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how you run at Talladega coming up here because I've seen your chops uh, on these uh, these plate style tracks. So I, I think you're going to have something for them. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, I love Talladega way better than Daytona, but uh, I, I will definitely be up there fighting for it. All right, Tyler Williamson. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, guys. Okay, we're going to jump into topics and we're going to open up. Uh, funny, we were just talking with Tyler about his new uh, 
or his hardware, which you might call getting started hardware, right? Uh, well, Parker Kligerman was chiming in on the racer mag, and he's saying that sim, re uh, sim racing needs to improve its access to maintain its momentum. Um, I gave the article like Lance, and um, I'm not sure exactly what all he's he, he means, I guess, unless he just thinks it all needs to be cheaper or maybe the hardware is too expensive. But he, he is coming up with one solution that he's particularly participating in, which is they're doing the um, an e-racer secondhand shop, which is a good place to have somebody with that kind of name and credibility supporting at that type of environment for people to pick up secondhand hardware. Um because for somebody who's looking for more affordability, that is one thing that will actually bring in more accessibility. Yeah, we talked about eraser.gg last week, uh, you know, a buy-sell uh, community for sim racing hardware that they started. And this is an article kind of about that. And he's kind of, his angle is, hey, if we get everybody selling their secondhand equipment, it drives down the price and it makes the entry level cheaper for people who want to get interested. It can be very handy, too, because, you know, particularly with computers, once you buy the computer, it's almost already obsolete, right? There's not a whole lot of resale value in, in that type of electronics. But with SIM hardware, there's there's a little bit more staying power with it. So uh, they don't the technology doesn't jump as fast, I guess. So this is a good, this is a good option. Yeah, I am going to read a quote from the article uh, that Parker put in here. He said, quote, I have so many friends and people who don't even watch racing, but they're barely interested in watching races that I'm in, he told Racer Mag. But the fact that they can drive a race car on a computer, they just light up. They just become consumed by it. I was like, wow, this is an amazing thing. And if we continually make it easier for the person to discover that they want to do this and be set up in the quickest amount of time possible, we're going to win as an industry. Mike, I think that's a that's a really good point because um, my my way into watching racing came basically through through video games. I mean, iRacing wasn't around at the time, but through um, some of the uh, some of the proprietors games and stuff like that that I played, um, I got interested in racing through the game first. You know, I wasn't a racing fan before then, and that's kind of what drew me into the sport. And you know, ever since then, I've been a, been a big time fan of both, and uh, wanted to get into it as much as I could. So I think he, I think Parker makes a really good, good observation that you know, there's a lot of people who might not be racing fans who find who find racing to be a lot more enjoyable than watching racing, and uh, he he's trying to grab a hold of those people and make it more accessible to those people. To, to be part of it. Some of them might join and never become racing fans, but they might might be big time in the racing. So, um, we, uh, you know, iRacing, I'm sure, and everybody else wants to get those people involved as much as possible. I mean, I'm one of those people. I, I'd rather race myself than watch NASCAR racing. And if I have a choice, 100%, I'm going to do my own race. I tend to not sit at the TV when, when the race is on on Sunday. I'll usually jump in a race and just listen to it on the radio. Follow well, many one of your thousand races during the week, right? Um, only a hundred. Get don't get an order of magnitude <laughs> off, man. Come on. Uh, one other thing, David. I think you mentioned about Parker happening this week. Uh, he's a track owner. Uh, that part I missed. Is that in this article? No, but uh, I thought it was you who sent that. But anyway, I think he bought into Lime Rock. Uh, Speedway or whatever it's called, Lime Rock. No, yes, I, I didn't see correct. that in. Yeah, I did see that as well. Yeah, 
Uh, he just announced that he's a small, small owner is, is his words, not a, not a huge majority owner, but a, a partial owner of Lime Rock, which is a Northeastern track, which is, a, um, um, isn't that where he's from? Is he from Northeast? It was his first ever racetrack that he raced on. Yeah. 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 And his first win. And that yes. yeah, his roots were from there. That's kind of a short track of, uh, of road racing in a way. It's got to be gotcha. the shortest road course that's, well, I guess there's like smaller versions of like Summit Point and stuff like that, wouldn't it be? Well, all I know is when you start on iRacing and you're running road, you're running Lime Rock, you know, and Summit Point, pretty much. And Laguna. Which is all free content. All right, guys. Uh, so also this week, iRacing came out with a new uh, iRacing broadcast policy. Um, that they uh that they release so uh i think uh most of us have all checked that over and um you know decided whether it applies to us or or you know what it does apply to um it seems like it focused a lot on on iRacing getting the accreditation that it that it deserves for like tv style broadcasts they want to have the little watermark the iRacing water watermark in this thing and on, on the screen they want um you know they want to be accredited with uh, them using their software um even streamers while they don't have to do the uh, the watermark issues you know they should the streamers should even uh have to give iRacing the the credit for using their software in their streams as well i think that was the biggest thing that i noticed out of this uh policy that uh, that i hadn't really noticed before well it's it's pretty easy with twitch and facebook and all that they recognize iRacing so you can kind of you know, tag it pretty pretty easily if you're a streamer. Um, the other thing is uh, pro events or uh, events of that nature. You know, iRacing is going to be the you know sole broadcaster. They're not going to. Uh, you you have to have their permission if you're going to do a broadcast of a pro race or a Coke race or a Porsche race. I think that's the primary. That's probably the primary focus of this is that they want to basically say don't take our money basically don't pirate our content it's our brand, yeah yeah they're probably not too concerned you know if you're if you're running your own stream when you're in a race or something um in fact they like that it promotes their product um i don't know it was a year ago or so i remember somebody talking about how they'll that you can get protested for posting your stream in chat once we had uh, a discussion about that for a while well, I was in a race with Nim, and I said, "Hey, is it okay to post this?" And he said, "Yes, we love it. It's it's promotion for the product, so they don't they don't mind stuff as long as it's not doing them harm." Essentially, yeah. Commenters uh, on broadcast must be uh, per- behave in a professional manner. Commentary can't be official, uh, offensive, or vulgar language. Uh, commentators must be respectful of all participants and eye racing. Uh, defamatory, derogatory, racist, sexist, or demeaning language will not be tolerated. You know, the obvious stuff. Does that mean the bottom split broadcast is gone? Well, we kind of alluded to this a week or two ago when this first got a kind of came out is they bottom split. were saying this was put out because of them um, doing the uh, pro series or the, uh, when they did that last fall. With all the stuff that went on with NASCAR last year, and you know the, the couple incidents they had, they, they got you had to figure something like this was going to protect. They got to protect it in writing at some point to get 
full legalese for it. Well, Twitch recently put out an email too, saying saying uh, they are they'll come down on anybody who violates certain community standards as far as far as they're concerned with with even with stuff along the lines of cyberbullying or definitely promoting uh, mass violence or or just anything that they find offensive. Right, and that is even if it doesn't happen on Twitch. Like if it something happened on Facebook, you could get banned from Twitch. That's the new policy. So yeah, I guess you have to be careful. All right, guys. Uh, next up, we have mic check. Uh, can I get a mic check? Yeah, I hear you. All right, Happy. cool. Thank you, guys. So Gary DeMoss asked in the forums uh, if members ask for a mic check at the beginning of a race session. So we had 502 people vote on this, and uh, I was not surprised. 91% said, no, it's needless. Um, we had about 33 people say, yes, I'm a, I'm, and I'm serious about it. And then another 11 people say, yeah, I do it just because the others do it. So I, I don't know how many times I get in that race, and you, you're all fired up. You're ready to go. Then you just start hearing that mic check, and then you hear the mic's not here, or no, we don't copy you, or just all the fun jokes. Do you guys get that? The, I have to do it every race um, on mine because for some reason, when I reloaded iRacing this time, I don't know if something got changed, but mine automatically sticks me in the is what is the top one team chat. So I have to move it down to the driver's channel for anybody to hear me. And so that's why I always check just to make sure it's in the right channel. Well, it, it goes to team if you're in a, in a team event. Well, what, I don't know what the top one is. Whatever the top one is, it always has me defaulted. And I wonder if there's, you know, if there's anybody listening to this, if there's a way to change that where you default to the driver's channel always. I, I just don't see where I'm missing it. Yeah, I'm loading into driver's channel. Now, something you can do... Uh, if for my uh, microphone USB cable has falls out really easily, it's just it's bent just out of place. And if if, if you're in iRacing and your microphone becomes unplugged and then you plug it back in, you have to make sure and go back into the sound control panel for it to kind of re-recognize the mic. Otherwise, it won't. It'll it will light up, but nobody else will see you lighting up. But you don't have to actually say mic check. You can really just key up and like snap your finger or something and there's a little green bar if that green bar is not moving your mic's not getting picked up i just want to make sure i annoy people because it's, it's great for people to know who the annoying one in the room is <laughs> that works um i actually use the crew chief app um i have it uh, programmed and i'll ask the crew chief can you hear me and then he'll respond back um and it, it works great i still won't tell you if the if the mic's configured in iRacing correctly i haven't had a problem yet now, what about the times yeah, when somebody keys up, but they don't say anything? Like, they go by you, and they're, they, they're going to key up and say thank you, but they never actually say anything. They just key up, and, and that's almost like a courtesy in races. Have you guys ever seen that before? That's, that's the it's really sorry, standard David. in multi-class. Yeah, it's the quick way of doing it because you're trying to focus. If you can just see the name bar come across, and you know that guy just passed you, it's kind of... Like David's saying, it's common courtesy as a thank you. That's pretty much all I do. Yeah, that goes that goes back to all the way to NASCAR racing in Papyrus. Um, we used to do that in our in the league I was in. There is if if you wanted to thank somebody, you just key your mic but don't say anything. It's just a just a a, a nod of the tip of the hat type of thing, like a wave of the hand, right? 
Well, and sometimes yeah, with, when all, with all five fingers. Sometimes when you're passing somebody, it's you know you're kind of either in a corner or something. If you just can quickly flick the button, it's 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 just a quick thing because it'll show up for you. Because you can program how long it stays on screen, can't you? That no. that bar can doesn't it get a little bit of a a delay? No, that's something you can build into no. TeamSpeak, but not everything. Oh, okay. I'm going to start doing that because I've actually screwed myself up and brushed the wall thinking someone for letting me pass them. And I got to look like an idiot right in front of them. I'm thanking them as I'm hitting the wall. No, it's totally cool just to key up and not say anything. Just, just for a moment and I'll let go. Well, I guess someone we might want to be thanking is uh, iRacing and Greg West here for not uh, not pulling that April Fool's joke on the uh, the Formula V car so i guess in a post here greg west confirmed that they are working on uh they're building one model of this car and i guess there's various uh different types of these formula v cars with the rule books and uh, they're just going to use multiple rule books and try and make a car they have it scanned um but they're just working on it but it's nice to see that the speculation was right there isn't a um it wasn't an april fool's joke yeah i am I sent this post to a friend of mine who actually raced Formula V about 15, 20 years ago. And um, he noticed that the car was, um, the, the tires are wider and the car was a little different than the ones that he had. I don't think it's changed that much over the years for the SECA, which is what he raced in. But I think there's a bunch of different rules nationwide. And they were just, they just picked different, different uh, rules from different associations. To, I think, Greg West posted it just just to try to make the best, most fun driving car that he could using the different rules that are available. So there's not going to be one rule book that this new car is going to officially uh, follow. It's going to be a, a, a based on several different different rules, and uh, so it won't be an exact replication of any particular car that's right there. But that being said, I'm I am really glad that it wasn't a joke. Uh, it's kind of funny that they keep doing these uh, head fakes on April Fool's Day uh, with some of these releases that they've come up with. But uh, I was really glad that this is not going to be uh, an April Fool's joke. I, I really am interested in, in trying this car out when it comes. And being that it's going to be a free content, man, why wouldn't you? It's going to be fun. So entry-level rookie-style open-wheel car for road. So like when you start iRacing for road for the first time, it's usually the Mazda, but now I think you're really going to choose between Mazda or the Formula V, depending on if you want open wheel or, or not. Because it used to start, like when I, when we first started, it was the Pontiac Solstice, and then the Mazda came along, and then um, what else? Did the, the, the Skippy is the next license up, isn't it? It's when you get out of it with open stuff. That was a purchase car, yeah. Yeah. So, you can do the Skippy, but there, and then there was also the advanced Mazda which was open set Mazda, which was then, uh, one of the upper classes. That Ford too was a road car that was free too, wasn't it? That Ford like go kart thing. The Spec Racer. Yeah, the Spec Racer. Yeah, that was. Uh, I think that was. I have that, and I know I bu- did buy it, so I think it must have been free content at one point. Okay. Next up, I Racing and Fast Fast Pasta uh, team up. Adam Stern announced it. Uh, on Twitter first that Anthony Alfredo, driver for Front Row Motorsports NASCAR Cup team uh, for this upcoming weekend at Martinsville will be running the iRacing paint job as full sponsor in the Cup Series. So how long has this been coming, guys, that we've wanted 
uh, iRacing to do a, be a full sponsor on a cup car. Um, I, I can't remember the last time. I think maybe Marcos Ambrose five years ago. Yeah, that was... I'm trying to remember what race he did that in. It was, I want to say Kansas or something like that. Some new oval back then. Yeah, I don't remember what it was. But yeah, but it's been a long time coming for this. We need to get him to sponsor Timmy Hill, too. Well, this, uh, <laughs> you want to get the, uh, the, the mob after them to sponsor, uh, Timmy Hill? <laughs> let's, let's, let's start a, what is it, change.org that, where they have the petitions, right? Get one going. Well, Alfredo didn't make any friends when he was sideways on the road a couple of weeks ago, too. I was going to say, this is a pretty sharp paint job, too. And obviously, it's a, obviously to replicate his, what his car is going to look like on the track, but, Man, I kind of I, I kind of dig the way this is done. And it looks good. And it's also pretty neat. He's got the car in sim in the sim as well as in real life. Uh, you can see some slightly different proportions with the line with the lines, but it's all the same styling. It just doesn't all like in some in some places the red versus the blue are different compared to different comparable thicknesses. So the actual car he has for the weekend has blue numbers. Um, earlier in the week, he posted on Instagram an iRacing version of it, but it had red numbers, and it looked really good with the red numbers. But Anthony said that NASCAR did not approve the red numbers, and so they had to change the color. I kind of like the blue, but he's got the red on top, or it looked like in the iRacing one. So I, you can't see it, but the roof looks like on this one, but... Let's hope the car looks like that when he's done the uh, race on Sunday. Or Saturday, yeah. sorry. Saturday. I was going to say, any reason why they chose Martinsville? I mean, I know it's a small track, and there's going to be some, uh, uh, definitely some banged up cars. So you're thinking maybe they'll get a little extra TV time? It's probably, to be honest, it's probably just fell where they could, you know, where they had a lack of sponsorship maybe for a race. and They, they just had open races. On that track. Yeah, like Mark. Adam Stern said that it's looking at doing some other additional races this season, this season referring to iRacing being primary sponsor. Orangeville also tends to be one of those tracks that where some of the cars that aren't necessarily running towards the front can make their way a little bit more towards the front because it drives more like a road course. It's, it's not like all the aero-dependent tracks. Well, right. the other thing is, is it's a lot of good advertising opportunities, even even if you're getting lapped, because you can get lapped so easily there. There's cars continuously going around that track at all times. So, you know, there's always a chance to have your car shown on TV at some point. Especially at Martinsville. Is this a good spend for iRacing's money? Absolutely. I'm okay if they're doing it on, obviously, the best part is they're taking someone that's going to represent iRacing as well because of what, what he's been, you know, his, his community is starting to build pretty quickly with uh, on here. And I just think that done right. And obviously with a smaller team, it's not going to cost as much too. I don't think right. obviously with that team, it's a pretty, it's probably a cheaper cost. I don't know what, how much cheaper, but it's probably not the big bucks that you would have to pay to get on a bigger car. It's a nice paint job. Uh, he did uh, Anthony. I, he did put out credit to who painted it. Um, I, I don't remember who it was, though. I got a question for you guys. On the rear quarter panel of this car is something called dude wipes. Anybody know what a dude wipe is? Or do I want to know? Man toilet paper for men. 
It's awesome. Highly recommended. It, it's like baby wipes for, for guys. <laughs> oh, okay. You so really use wipe, that? Yeah. You don't use that, Tyler. <laughs> Not daily, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I bet you that that was created for like the trucking industry type of thing too. Like people that are on the go, literally. Literally. <laughs> you don't like the standard gas station uh, sandpaper? Sandpaper is like you'd be wishing for sandpaper on some of them. I'm gonna check in my man card right here, but I'm pretty sure there's two scents that you can give it to wipes, and one of them is peppermint. <laughs> no way, they're not scented, right? They have the, to be. So I, I just get this mental picture of he's wiping and then he's smelling the peppermint. He's holding it up and smelling it. <laughs> yeah, the idea like is to smell before the wipe. Yeah, I start saying pre smell before you wipe. You you'll probably be happier. Uh, Dude wipes is a legit product. <laughs> okay, it's it's basically like flushable wipes. So it's just a brand of flushable wipes. I don't know what the dude parts in, but. It's without the packaging for a two-year-old. Hi, guys. So moving on. Um, for the first time this weekend, uh, iRacing is holding their inaugural Throwback Cup. So uh, this is a 400-lap race at North Wilkesboro Speedway, and they're going to be using the Throwback 1987 Chevy Monaco and 1987 Ford Thunderbird. So uh, it's the first time that they're running one of these retro races as a special event. It's coming up. Uh, uh, wow, it's, it's your favorite, Mike, GMT time. Uh, Friday at 2200 GMT. <laughs> uh, Saturday at 7. 12 and 1600 GMT. So uh, uh, you get out your uh, your uh, date translations and uh, figure out what that is in Eastern or Western time, wherever <laughs> you're sitting. Eight o'clock, three o'clock, eight o'clock, noon. There and you go. That's Eastern time. Yes. The, the right time. Eastern the time, the right one, time. But it's 400 laps, and I need to run Martinsville, too, so... I don't think I'm going to do it. But it's 400 laps after a 120-minute open practice. Like, that's, that's going to be a long event room. You thought Martinsville was bad? Try 400 laps. Well, North works well in that car. Should we tell you the story of uh, Rockingham last year in the majors? Yeah, I want to hear it. Yeah, let's go. Uh, oh, well, it wasn't... I don't, this car wasn't out yet, but it was running the ARCA car, and several of the servers ran out of time instead of completing the 400 laps because there were so many cautions. Yikes. Time events. So, so you were, uh, were you good at it because you're used to time events? Um, I have survived and I got a top 10, I believe. I'd have to go back and look it up, but yeah, it was just a matter of staying out of trouble. I wonder if there's a tire limit on that race. Yeah, those things chew tires. But in that era, they didn't really limit tires in the top series. Right. They didn't, right. They didn't limit a lot of things. Could you still swap engines back then without taking a penalty? Yeah, they would have a, they'd probably have a qualifying. I think in 87, they would have a qualifying motor and, uh, um, and a race motor. Because didn't Bill Elliott have that illegal, that really fast qualifying motor that he did that 212? Oh, yeah. Tally? They would switch them overnight right before race day. Yeah. A little bit more information, guys. It's uh, oval D point D four point oh and up license restriction. Um, so yeah, so it's pretty much 
almost anybody can get into this if they really want to. This is the perfect track for this car, too, by the way. I, I just think they're built for each other. They were released together. Um, you know, when they scanned the, the cars and the track, uh, they were meant to be released together. I think that was the idea. And it's a pretty neat event. I'm glad they're doing it. I'm just sorry I'm not able to participate this time. Yeah, I've actually um, watched you or spotted you on one of these uh, 87 Cup races at at um, North Wilkesboro, Mike, and you were you were really good on that track. So, yeah, uh, it's too bad you're not going to be able to make it make a run of it. Yeah, it's a special line there. You really have a really late apex. Uh, it's not where you normally would think it would be. Yeah, those cars are a lot of fun. I'm just glad to see iRacing doing a little bit more with them. Um, since their drop, there there really wasn't much going on with it. Yeah, that that's a good point. Um, having these in uh, these special events may, maybe uh, brings some people back to this car that maybe um, have kind of faded away after the initial release. It seemed like it was a pretty big release and uh, may have may have uh, faded since then. But um, yeah, I think these these uh, special event races in this this combo might might help return some. Uh, some participation in these these cars. Hope so. I'll run just the prex. I'm not doing 400 laps. My uh, my wheel would fall off. Not an OG 27, right? <laughs> right. Oh man, you know another place where my wheel would fall off is possibly on a monster truck. So we got Ricky Hall who posted on Facebook, and he goes, "I can't be the only person that wants to see monster trucks come to iRacing, right?" And I'm probably going to friend this guy because I've been talking about that even before I joined iRacing. I would love to see Gravedigger on the front stretch at Daytona just jumping through the grass. That would be so awesome. That would be pretty much creating a whole new discipline because all, they do they do the circular chase each other around type things. It would be, and you'd have to create bigger jumps. It'd be a whole new, you'd almost have a whole new license class to try and create yeah for it yeah you would have a different license class i think because it's I mean, based I, on style and points and i think you would come into looking at bringing these in you know what's to say that are they going to go to drag cars things like I, it's just going to go out of hand too right we can you can think of all kinds of different motorsports you could bring in right it yeah, would be a headache for sure but i would love that I think of monster trucks of more of an exhibition sport rather than a, you know, a side-by-side -side racing type of sport. And that's, I think, where you would run into some conflict with, uh, with what iRacing has done all these years. Um, if there's a way to make a, a, a monster type truck that actually is just a racing event, maybe, I guess that could be possible. But, um, but if there's any kind of, um, subjective judging or anything i just don't see how that could possibly work like drifting exactly in now a they, way we actually just had the monster trucks so we had the trophy trucks with the miatas at um irwindale for the uh, figure eight race which was nuts but a gentleman did comment on, on that very same thread and he said stadium super trucks would actually be awesome and uh, i agree we, we got the pro light and, and, and uh, the pro trucks Literally, you could just transform them, but almost use the same type of setups. But uh, how cool would that be? Yeah, we got Long Beach, put uh, some dirt jumps on the straight of Long Beach, and and you got a stadium super truck race. Well, Watkins Glen as well. You, you could go into like a stadium and scan what one of these events too, couldn't you? You think you could scan the actual dirt and everything when they had a, a weekend? Because don't they, 
That'd be cool. They usually do the them with the monster trucks, don't they? So motocross or do they do them with motocross too i don't i don't know but like even just go in for that event and scan the scan the whole building and take pictures all that stuff in a one weekend event they've done both but they they actually were using raymond james stadium uh there for a while um over there in vegas and then they actually just switched to um oh my goodness where the buccaneers play football so that's where they were that was their daytona 500 was uh those world finals but um, I mean, they've got their own Monster Jam has their own licensing game and stuff like that. But I, I know it could be scanned. It's just all the issues that could come with that. Okay, let's keep moving. Let's talk about season two patch three release notes. Um, they changed the physics. The chain fence stiffness and damping have been reduced to prevent drivers riding up on the wall uh, and driving on the fence. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever done that before. I, I used to be able to do this at the uh, centripetal, centripetal, the little tiny track. I could get a car, like the A car, up on the fence and go and make laps on the fence. I think they were doing it at Bristol Dirt that what brought this up. Is you could Because the dirt went up the wall about halfway, it was pretty easy to uh, get the car up onto the fence. Mike, that almost reminds me of the... Uh... Old time back in the day where they would have the um, the drop in and the guy on the motorcycle just riding along the sides of the wooden walls. You know, the old like circus routine. Oh, yeah. The little so sphere with that. like three motorcycles. There we go. The big one is the new damage model. Uh, some great advancements in our new damage model. Algorithms and processes have been made. These are system-wide changes that impact all vehicles that have the new damage model enabled. With our latest testing, we're very happy with many of these results and are sending those updates your way. However, more work remains for some vehicles to be rebalanced with these changes. As such, we're only re-enabling the new damage model for the street stock with this patch. Uh, we're still holding off on the ARCA and the 87 cars for now. Uh, and then several other specific uh, damage model changes to some of the cars, uh, the road cars specifically. Have any of you guys driven the 87s with the new damage model? Well, they took it away uh, after the first week, so I don't think I did that first week. That first week was was nuts. Cars were, were mangled, and that is a, a heavy-duty car. You can beat the, the crap out of them pretty well, and uh, they'll still go pretty straight, but... Um, Man, it was nuts. We were like crab walking down the backstretch. It was it was crazy. Yeah, I think it was uh, the tires were coming off too easy. That's one of the reasons they took it back out. Hey, did you guys see on the notes that they've done an update for the cup cars for Darlington to make sure that they have the right downforce package? And I guess some visual changes to the car for um, the front windshield having the names on them? Yeah, I definitely noticed during a Martinsville race, I was telling Tony... Uh, the font has changed on the banner that I saw on the back windshield, actually. It shows your last name on the back of the windshield. And then on the dash where it shows your name and your number, that font is different, too. It looks a lot more clear. It's not pixelated like, or like it looked before. It gives you a little bit more room to throw in uh, logos in that little space as well. Uh, what else? That's pretty much uh, it for the release. How about so, a prediction? Well, I was going to say I have a prediction, but it's not actually me that has the prediction. I'm just going to give you somebody else's. Thomas Guldalian. 
He has a prediction that the finale is going to have the new Porsche car. Um, and it's because it, it's not indicating currently on the Porsche Tag Heuer uh, schedule what the car is. And um, he thinks it'll be that. I actually like the guy's reply below, though. They should throw the, you know, the uh, 919 out there. And I'd love to see those guys wearing that. It's one of the things that actually kind of disappoints me with the the pro IMSA series invitational that they run right now is they just run their one class. And part of IMSA is the whole multi-class aspect. Right. So for the all-star race for the Porsche series, they change cars every three races. They did the cup car, the Cayman GT4, then the 911 GTE. And then, yeah, this one is TBD. So I don't know. It might be a good guess. I mean, why would they list it to be determined? I mean, if if they didn't want it to put the name out there, maybe they'll do the uh, hybrid nine one nine. It's what we were just talking about. Oh, is it okay? <laughs> <My bad. laughs> I think uh, I think I thought you were saying the new might... car. Well, the this this guy's predicting the new car, but then the first reply says set oh, loose in the LMP one. Yeah, I was kind of thinking it might what they did with the IndyCar series where they just do a fan vote um, type of thing. Fans get to vote on what last car they race. Yeah, that's kind of what IMSA did with their series, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, you got to pick this track, right? uh, the track, with, right? Yeah, with the uh, IRL stuff, yeah, which is should be going on right now, actually. Yeah, that's kind of hard to cover that IMSA series because it literally happens as we're recording this this podcast. So, yeah, so I I'm betting more towards a fan vote than a uh, than a new vehicle coming out. It'd be cool uh, for sure, and uh, iRacing has done some kept some pretty big secrets lately but um i'm not i'm not sure if i go with this one just yet well, guys uh the vco esports um they are uh, posted a picture on their of trophies that are going to be sent out to all the class winners from the 12 hours of sebring this a uh, couple weekends ago right um so uh, yeah, so uh, they there's a, they have a uh, little pictures. It's got the twelve hour Sebring um, logo on the front of the trophy, and uh, they are going to be sending them out to uh, the winners of each of the classes. So pretty cool. Uh, you guys came close to getting one of these too, Dave and Greg, right? They're yeah, pretty. Uh, we were in the third, but I mean, how many splits did they give out? Because we weren't top split. I don't know, but well, uh, nice looking trophy. There's eight showing, so I don't know if they go any further than eight eight splits down or what. But that's what that's what they're showing, or is it nine? Count again. I I count seven. I count. <laughs> you're right. It's seven. <laughs> uh, it's numbers? it's like an etched glass. It's like a big brick of glass, and it's kind of etched, laser etched on the front of it. They they look really awesome. Yeah, they're nice looking little trophies. I was just just wondering who do you send it to if you were in a team of three or four people? Good, I'd be fighting over it. That's for sure. <laughs> Somebody will get it on weekends. Someone will get it on weekdays. You'll split holidays. Get out the it's table gonna be, saw. Going to be like Lord Stanley's work. Just cut it up, and everybody gets a third. The cool thing, though, is that they are doing this. I mean, I, I have my piece of paper from my first oval win. That is a trophy, and it's just a piece of paper. Um, I mean, th this looks awesome. These look legit, too. And for a, an official race, so think about it. Official racing, you can actually win a trophy. Yeah. I just like competing well, in the events. It'd be nice to get a trophy, but, you know, having the 
saying that we got a third place or whatever in a big event like that. It's kind of gratifying. Well, what makes a trophy like this special is that it it was earned in the event, right? I mean, I could go to a trophy shop and give make one of these trophies. That's not what counts. I'll give you a trophy, David. Okay, well, Tyler, do you like the Days that, of Thunder? That, that just came off came off so bad. But we'll we'll, we'll just drive through that one. There we go. Set up. Drive through some smoke. So, um, I, you guys being on, on the, the sim, um, have you guys noticed how thick the smoke is when someone spins out in front of you now? Yeah, it's pretty Crazy. thick. It, it is very thick. So, we had uh, Alex Horn from uh, iRacing posted a video on his Twitter page, and he uh, kind of edited and added some clips uh, it, from Days of Thunder on some amazing avoidance uh, by one of the users. And it's amazing. This gentleman, it looks like they're at Charlotte. Um, it looks like they're at Charlotte. I might be wrong. You guys want to correct me, but they're in the 87s. He's on the outside and, uh, uh, you know, big wreck happens like every other track and, and smoke is just everywhere. And Alex did an amazing job editing this. I highly encourage you guys to check out the show notes and uh, go look at this video because if it doesn't make you smile as it's going on, I don't know what will. You can work. drive through it. <laughs> That was a week 13 madness too, eh? So that's just one of those, is a day event. It would only been at that track for what, a day? They were switching tracks all, all week, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Yeah, when I first saw this though, man, I, I, I almost pulled out my Days of Thunder VHS and fired it up. I mean, it's um, it really gets it in there, but it, it's it's really well done. And uh, credit to the, the guy making the moves, man. He um, That, that car's a handful to control. Meanwhile, you have the big one happening in front of you. Um, he, he did such a good job, but it's it's really well done. Kudos to Alex. Gotta gotta love the uh, shifting at Daytona. Drop into <laughs> third, catch a gear, and go. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, anybody wondered how to get out of the rookie class faster? Oh, I know. Took me two races at Bristol Dirt last week. Well. It takes a, it's a lot easier to get a rookie now than it used to be. And I, I, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, Overtake uh, wrote an article about how to get out of um, the rookie class faster. And it's kind of basically only had like three bullet points to kind of follow through on it. Like we're, they were just trying to make on it. There's a whole bunch of things that really go into trying to make it a rookie class, but they do hit the three main points that, you know, make a whole lot of sense. And I mean, David and I talk about one of them here a lot, but, um, you know, practice is always going to be the thing that we're going to talk about first. So that, you know, you got to make sure you're ready to drive the car that you're going to, to be racing in. So you make sure you get some laps and, and figure out, you know, how to, you got to figure out how to race with other people. That's the, that's the biggest thing with uh, making sure you're ready for a rookie race. Um, it helps if you're in top split NIS too. <laughs> Would you just leave top split NIS alone? Um, the second point that they made here is sometimes, and I think this is David and I talk about this all the time, especially with the IMSA series is sometimes you got to lose the, lose a battle to win the war. So sometimes you got to either concede a corner and live to fight another day you know 
it's not it's not always about trying to race somebody hard every time around the track it's you know if you lose one position when you're trying to get a rookie class i rating and positions don't matter it's the safety rating and finishing races so you know concede the position if you, somebody's faster than you there's no sense in racing them real hard um and the last one i think we always assume this about all of us is everybody else is a is a bad racer where you're the best or we're the best and everyone else is the worst on the track so it's basically talking about assume that other drivers don't know what they're kind of doing on the track or you know a be be the defensive driver and try and avoid things by predicting what they're uh, might do or you know even just you know defensively put your car in the right spot like mike i know you used to always tell us this when we're running like a track that's one line like at the top uh, was it kansas always leave yourself uh, an out in case somebody gets into the wall and you know that's something you gotta you gotta figure out too is just assume somebody's gonna hit that wall so you gotta make sure you're able to find a way out right but it's a really good article it's pretty pretty short uh article but it's to the point yeah, essentially, you can either prioritize I rating or safety rating. Uh, start from the pits. Really don't race anybody. If they get close to you, let them go. Um, uh, we did jump classes really fast in the Bristol dirt racing, but, you know, we were getting, we were running a race that was a lot longer than your typical rookie race. Uh, it wouldn't be 125 laps in most of your rookie races. It'd be like 20. So that gave us a little bit of an advantage there. Uh, but, Basically, if if you want safety rating, just don't worry about eye racing. Don't race. Just get out there and make laps and finish the race. Even if you do get an X, the more corners you get, the more eye rating safety rating you get. So, what's the criteria now? It's, is it four races with and then a four point It's four, except for the rookie. I I mean, I I literally was class D at after running two A opens. I had jumped to class D on the road <laughs> on the road race. Or I mean, on the dirt. Yeah, I always, I always tell people uh, starting the if you want to increase your license and get out of rookie, start in the pits, and then go out and and be a half lap down from everybody else. Like literally, be on the other side of the track from the group. And if anyone even gets near you, like literally pull over and get out of the way and let them go. And don't let anyone within twenty feet of you. And just get through the race without an incident. That's how you get out of rookies. There's also some good material out there to find your way out of, uh, like, you know, to watch how some other people do it. Didn't Annie do this uh, as a series for the bit to try and get out of her rookie for road? Well, she spent, she didn't rush herself, though. She spent a whole season running the rookie car. That's true. Before she jumped up, which is really, I think, what should be required. At least out of rookie. I, I, I'm kind of okay with, if, with jumping up through maybe D.C., but maybe you should spend a whole season. When Back in my day, we actually had to. You know, you had to spend a whole season in, in the class and then be over 4.0 at the end of the season. Yeah, that's, that used to be the best way to, to learn a vehicle, too. So, like, when you, you first get out of rookie and you, uh, you know, on our side, we'd run the oval, so you would – you you get in the trucks when you're first at a rookie. Well, then you got to spend a whole season, and you have to make sure on that 13th week that you're 
license is at over a 4.0 and uh as it's about to turn for the next week that's when you graduate to get to the next license after 13 weeks of racing if you so if you don't have your license up there, you're hoping on week 13, you can get some, which is really hard to, to get safety rating on week 13, but you try and get it up there to make sure that on that day when it switches that it's there. Because if you don't, you got to do a whole new season. That's what it used to be. And obviously iRacing saw that they needed to change that for the fact that people wouldn't probably stick around as much as they do now, because I don't even know if I would have stuck around um and not knowing because i wanted to get to the cup like i really wanted to get to the cup series uh as fast as i could and the cup car was one of the worst cars on this back then too so there wasn't a uh, an inkling to try and get that far up but when you get out a rookie if you're doing on this rookie racing patience and just don't race anybody just let them go okay we got a video from iRacing uh season two build refresher this is uh, kind of different um, to put out a video of what has been released um, kind of after the fact. Uh, it's a kind of a neat reminder to, to me anyway of what's out there that I kind of forgot about. I mean, it's going to be hard for me to list everything, but Hockenheim Ring, Bark River, uh, Bristol Dirt, uh, Rallycross, uh, Barcelona, Super Late Model, uh, New Paint Shop. Um, and the list goes on and on. So uh, it's kind of a neat to take a, a quick look at this video. And, and man, they really do put out a lot of content in a 12-week period. Well, and I think when I first saw this come up, too, it's like they normally post this like a couple days after the build has come out. Just kind of as like, you know, we usually cut, you know, the first week we usually show this video of on the build week um, to have it, what are we, two or three weeks into this build. I thought it was like, are we already on week 13 coming up and we we're on the next build? It was like when I first played it, I'm like, but then, you know, you get to this and it's like, okay, yeah, it reminds me of all the advanced stuff that they've done and um, just all the stuff they've added. And all this stuff is really a uh, boost to the typical iRacing standard. Uh, really, really nice videos, uh, great, great shots of the, of the new cars and new tracks. Um, it's what we've come to expect with iRacing and their production level. Uh, they don't disappoint in this one too. And we have our final news topic for the week. We are actually running with our, an invitational presented by our sponsor, GridFinder. It's the GridFinder Invitational Number 3, Under the Lights. It's going to be 75 laps at Daytona. We're running it this Saturday at 1900 gmt now michael will you or i'm sorry not michael mike you need to get out your gmt calculator because we know this you yeah. struggle with this all the time right um it's 1900 gmt which is what four hours or four hours earlier eastern 1500 right? yeah um and it's in the nascar trucks and the this is a team event you know you gotta have four men and it's the combined points right so four drivers yeah don't don't restrict yourself to men yep <laughs> I, uh, the oh, GMT me. messed me up so bad <laughs> i thought it was friday instead of saturday so uh david you had to take my place because i have to work yeah luckily we don't have you know a 12-hour sebring or anything like that uh well good but, luck uh yeah i don't know if listeners can still get in on this event i assume so but uh i hope you guys have a good run all right housekeeping notes don't forget the aftermath podcast don't forget to get it. I think they record this Saturday. 
Uh, our website, iRacersLounge.com, is where you can see all the links to everything we talk about. And don't forget, we have a coupon code at Midwest Simulations, iRacers Lounge, for 10% off. We are on the Performance Motorsports Network. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Let's talk 11th Gen Intel. Intel has introduced their 11th Gen i7 11700K Intel Core processor. The benchmark scores and other reviews have been less than glowing, including YouTube product reviewer Gamers Nexus describing it as a waste of sand. Uh, that's pretty harsh. <laughs> waste of sand. Um, but I did... Um... I did look through the, his videos and a couple and a, another one as well, and uh, yeah, the the benchmark scores on this were not that much higher than the i seven the ten seven hundred K, which is the the um, the lesser uh, lesser older version of this, and uh, so yeah, they weren't they weren't particularly great, uh, a, a much of an upgrade at all. So I'm um, I'm assuming. The price is going to be a good bit higher because it's a newer product. I haven't haven't checked the prices out on those yet, but um, yeah, it sounds like you'd be just as well saving a couple extra bucks and keeping the uh, older older one, the uh, the ten seven hundred K. And I I still think the common consensus is if you're building right now to go with Ryzen, uh, you know the Ryzen five thousand uh, versus uh, an Intel chip. My only concern with the the Ryzen is that. They've been having issues with the HP Reverb G2 headsets. Um, um, one of our teammates had that issue, and he was using the AMD uh, uh, processor instead of the Intel chip, and he had a hard time getting it set up. I think he finally worked out the kinks, but you know the Intel was always plug and play with the uh, with those v Windows Mixed Reality devices. All right, next up we got a rig review by Real GT. Uh, they have a prototype of this 180-degree projection-style system. Um, and it has an authentic GT cockpit. Um, this thing is amazing looking. Um, and the crazy thing about it, it's a two-seater. You actually have a passenger seat where someone could sit and enjoy this with you. Uh, literally, if you cut the back of the car off at the rear seats and cut off the nose, that's exactly what this is, wrapped around like a, a projector screen. It's... It's it's amazing looking. This this thing sits on. It's got four D box actuators, and it actually sits on the ground before you start it up, so you can get in this thing. I mean, full doors, roof, windshield, everything. It's crazy. Now, can you actually pipe the proper mirror uh, images into those actual displays? There, that would be even cooler. I see that the little they have a little displays outside the door for the mirror. But yeah, how would you get the iRacing mirror onto that? I don't know. That would be, oh my gosh, just looking at the headache with the wiring involved. I, they hit it really well. But it's actually Will Tosotos. Um, it, it's his prototype. Um, it's a full, like I said, two-seater motion uh, simulator. Um, it's, a, it's a guy in the state. So he was reviewed on YouTube. Uh, what's this channel? It's yeah. such a small footprint, too. It's so small for for how how big it is. You know, when you're sitting in it, it's almost more like a truck cab, actually. Yeah, it's uh, nice painted in iris and colors too. 
Now there is there is one picture that's showing an image on that right mirror. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know what that image is. It's pretty blurry. It looks like it could be a rear view mirror, but like image, I don't know. Oh, there's another one. It's showing pitting in on the middle mirror. So the projection screen around the cockpit thing is like a half circle, and then you can see the three uh, looks like LCD projectors hanging from above that shine onto it. It's quite a system. What are those? The three extra ones up top. Like there's the three white ones. Did you see those other ones on the outside, Mike? Up on the roof, roof. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Is that more? No, that's there's projectors? that's just the projectors are at the top and they're projecting down. They're short throws. But what are the? There's two different sets. There's those white ones and then the black ones. Yeah, they look like projectors too, Greg. Um, I'm, I went back on the post. And I'm actually looking into it. And uh, they are a lot smaller projectors, but it, it almost makes me feel like they're facing the opposite way. Um, if you see the way the angles look, it's almost pointing towards the gentleman's beautiful Porsche uh, sign. Yeah, maybe he's there. got a flight simulator on the other side or something. <laughs> That's crazy. What a setup. It's amazing considering he also has the Porsche GT3 inside his computer. Um, that you can see sitting right there behind it, but um, it's uh, you can't really get much more immersed than this. Especially when you can take a passenger in the motion sim with you, they can see everything you're seeing. They can feel the motion. You know, this is so cool. Like to bring a family member in and, my and show them what I we do. I would take my daughter. Right. Yeah, my kids would love this. My kids sit in my seat enough as it is when I'm in my office if it doors open. You too, huh? My 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 two year old never fails to spin that wheel back and forth each way. <laughs> yep, it's a good workout. Okay, guys. Uh, next up, we have a company from Croatia called Rexing, spelled R E X I N G, and they're offering a GT steering wheel. It's a carbon fiber. Uh, and uh, it's uh, GT style, so it's uh, it's the round with the flat bottom uh, wheel. It's all wrapped in Alcantara and has a center dash with a 4.3 inch LCD display, which is a uh, really nice looking. It's got the LED uh, buttons above it for um, for uh, RPMs and probably programmable, depending on what program you're using. And it's got a tons of buttons. It's got the it's got the uh, carbon fiber uh, uh, print on the front of it. It's a very nice looking uh, wheel. Um, they are asking twelve hundred and forty euros plus that tax for that bad boy. Definitely a high end wheel for sure, um, and probably comparable to some of the other uh, wheels we've seen in the one the one thousand to fifteen hundred euro range, like uh, Cube Controls, for example. But you I said this is Croatia. Uh, yes, it's Croatian. It's really nice. It's got that carbon fiber look too. I don't see any paddles. I've got to open up their webpage, but uh, the yeah, they definitely have magnetic uh, paddles. But there's a little one in behind there. Okay. They got thumb encoders that you really can't see from the front, but uh, there's on the side. There's little thumb rotators. That's actually really smart, like David. I think the formula wheel that you have has right where your thumb would be, isn't it? The rotors, yeah, there's rotors on the left and right. Uh, and they're kind of a little inconvenient because I keep hitting them accidentally, so I've unprogrammed them from anything. 
Uh, okay. I just think that I think that looks like a the where they are. That'd be an interesting. It would be good for programming some stuff on the GT cars. Might be a little bit easier to not hit them on that because you got more circumference with the rim, or more diameter, not circumference. I like that it kind of. I just like the whole the whole design of it, the color coding, or the color of it, and everything in the carbon fiber. It looks really. It's a nice wheel. Uh, I admire all these nice rims, but in VR you can't enjoy them. Yeah, it does look nice uh, with the display and the blue against the carbon fiber. Probably enjoy these next things though, whether you got VR or not. Now, Mike, you're gonna have to help me with this one. So the first set here is the old set, right? Well, or yeah, I mean, these version. have been on sale for a long time, for probably two years, maybe. So it's the HP simulate or HPP simulations, the with their JBV three pedal system um, that we're showing here. Um, it, now it, it goes when you click that link. It goes to the, is this the new one he was pr promoting on the iRacers forums too? Um, like a new he's got a redesigned version of these. He did post on the forums that he's designed a new version of the pedal pads and skins yeah because they look uh, different on the image now right like they look a little bit more comfortable to press and they got a couple different uh styles to it right so it's kind of an upgrade to a pedal that's been out for a little bit but it's not like a a major upgrade it's just a change in material maybe yeah and it looks like they're, they're a little bit d-shaped they're angled back like they got a a bit of a curve to them um so this is a really nice, you, what did you say? They're the best pedal set uh, you can buy, you think, for hydraulics? It's one of them. There's, we're going to talk about three different pedal sets today, but this is the first one I wanted to bring up just because it's updated, and this one's been around forever, and I just love how they look with that powder blue. Anodized. Uh, petty blue or whatever it is, and the, the stainless steel. Uh, it just looks sharp. Now it's showing on the website here $1,495 for me. Yep. yep, that's what I see. Okay, so, um, you know, a decent price tag. Three grand Canadian. They look good. Yeah, what's, uh, what's the conversion? I don't know. Uh, Canadian uh, costs a couple vaccines that we can't get. Yeah, it's I really like and a, a vaccine and a Stanley Cup. <laughs> and Tyler's firstborn. So the one thing I, I want to point out about these before we move on to the next ones is look how low profile it is, the the pedal, the brake specifically. Um, it's all built in right behind the pedal. Uh, there's not a, a big reservoir that's sticking up, you know, like some of these other hydraulic pedals. Um, it's very compact and, like I said, easy to look at. Well, it'd be easy to make the, the to mount them the way that you'd want to. You don't have to worry about the base plate kind of changing how close or far away you want to put them to each other too, right? Yeah. All right, so let's talk about some brand new pedals. VRS, Virtual Racing Schools, is now taking reservations for the new VRS Direct Force Pro pedals. Owners of the wheelbase will have the first option to purchase if they get on the reservation list. The throttle and brake only $650 US or 549 euro, that included. There's an optional clutch for US dollar 249 or euro 199. 
the optional throttle brake and clutch hydraulic damper kit 149 US and Euro 149. So they got it where you can build it up. You can start with just the throttle and brake. You could add the clutch and then you could make it all hydraulic. And so if you add them all together and you get the whole package, what do you got? It's like around 1,050. Do you think they're doing sets like this now because a lot of the clutch stuff's becoming obsolete in some race. Like we don't, you're only using clutch off pit road. A lot of the cars, you can use the steering wheel clutches, right? So it kind of gives you an option. You don't have to buy a clutch if you don't really want it. Well, 250 bucks just to have a clutch. I mean, that's, that's quite a bit of money, but I would want it. I mean, I don't think I want to buy a, a, a premium set of puddles and not have a freaking clutch. Now, Chris scales, our teammate, he about lost his lunch over this. He's been waiting for these. Uh, I think this is what he is targeted to purchase for his pedal set. Um, he's kind of been waiting for these to come out. So uh, he was definitely on board when he when this was announced. Just about as I think just about as much as some of us might be Fanatec fanboys. He's he's anti Fanatec. He thinks they're the devil, and he's he's excited to see a competitor come in and is going to jump on the VRS bandwagon. Well, they got a good wheel. I mean, we've heard really good things about the wheelbase. Uh, you know, I haven't heard a lot about the pedals yet, but uh, there's nothing to think that these aren't great pedals. Are they worth the 1100 though? Do you guys think these will compete directly with the Huskenfelds? Do you think you'll knock them off? The cheaper version without the hydraulics, sure. Because Huskenfelds are really just uh, load cell, right? Yeah. I know that's just shoo, that's a lot for pedals. But my I'd question is all the way. Will this will the eleven hundred dollar version, the hydraulic version, compete with what we just talked about, the HPPs or the Rickmotech, the fifteen hundred dollar one that Joe Owen has? The when you're looking at the image of it here, it's kind of obviously they're still working on it. Um it kind of just looks like obviously it's their first version kind of. It just kind of looks a little a little it's not much. pretty. Yeah, it's there's no eye candy to it. It's just kind of reminds me of like scale X type stuff. Erector set is what yes, I that's Erector what I, yeah. set. That's uh, what I see. There's not there's not an extra piece of metal that to encase it encase it and make it look all packaged, but um I don't know. That's not a priority for me, especially in VR. Well, you don't even look at them when you're putting your feet. You're putting the <laughs> putting your feet all over them. I can just imagine how dirty these things get with your feet. I, like a lot of guys, I've raced with just my socks, and just seeing a lot of that, how um, open it is, man, that's going to get dirty as hell. Well, if yeah. you, <laughs> I run, I run racing shoes, and I have a I have a flat spot on the brake side, um, or sorry, on the gas on my gas foot. Uh, built up because of it rubbing up and down on the, like the cheese grater part of the, the pedal and it oh, kind of wow. creates it creates a little bit of rubber comes off of it. Unless you have everything completely closed and sealed to air, dust will get anywhere. You're not gonna you're not gonna keep dust out of it. Even on my OG twenty seven. I'd buy those HPPs at fourteen hundred over I'd buy these any day. Well these are really proven yet either right this is these got that's the thing yeah do you really I mean, want to sure buy the fine, first one 
other ones are proven. You're right. They've been around. A lot of people uh, like them. But, you know, even VRS says on their website here that these pedals are currently being used by Josh Rogers, Mitchell DeJong, Martin Kroenke, Mac Backham, and David Williams, some of the best sim drivers in the world. Yeah. I mean, it's that in the one image here on the website, that's that controller box that they have for the wheel too, isn't it? Or is it its own controller? But is this another controller box, do you think? Not sure. I think it's a separate controller box. It's like a pedal fest here on the show tonight. <laughs> yeah, and in that in that uh, theme, I'm going to jump ahead to the next pedal story just so we can do them in a row. And uh, this one is called the Q3 Sim Sport Pedal Set. It's coming in at $1,200. It's full hydraulic brake and clutch using high-end automotive components such as Wilwood and a Leo Bodner load cell PCB brain. The brake force is adjustable, giving the racer precise control of the feel of the brake. The clutch pedal travel can be adjusted and also comes with a hard and soft spring. The throttle also has a hard and soft spring and also has adjustable pneumatic damper for precise feel and control. These pedals come filled and bled from the factory, ready for you to bolt to your rig, tune, and drive. And I don't know where this company came from. Uh, I saw this kind of out of the blue on the forums, uh, posted by a guy that we follow quite a bit, Brad Pugmire. Uh, Brad is known for uh, doing 3D printing of mini sim products. Don't so know this if this is his company or if he's involved with it or not. So looking at this quickly, Mike, they've got two big names in, in the braking community for one for automotive and one for obviously the sim part, like Leo Bar or Bodner loads, uh, load cell. That's, you know, that's one of the bigger, bigger names for load cell stuff, technology for in, the, in sim racing. For the electronics then, part, right. And then you got well, uh, Willwood brake components. That's, that's a high end race car. Or those are high end braking components for cars i see a lot on this design i don't a lot of adjustability both lat both vertically and horizontally uh, yeah you got it you basically got an entire left to right slot where you can position the the pedals if you want like the one the one thing with the vrs v3s not vrs the fanatec three fees i have is uh is the brake pedal i would love for it to be just a little bit further uh left and i have the pedal installed as far left as i can get it and i have the the, the gas pedal kind of tweaked over as far as i can get it because they're just it's fixed in one spot all three of these pedal sets seem to have that option this one though you can even move the you can move the pedal surface up and down as well and it's not just a couple of holes it's an it's a slot so it's it's infinite possibilities between the maxes do you think that uh pushing down on that area would wear out over time or you know if, i guess if it's tight enough it probably will be okay but um i just thought when you're pushing force down on it uh, you know that's that's one area you could wear out right it, uh it's probably just need a washer in there to keep it from being too localized the pressure so, yeah, I'll have to figure out where this company is from and that kind of thing. I, I haven't figured out what country they're from uh, or anything like that. Um, besides, you know, Brad Pugmire is the one who posted in the forums about it. They look good, though. They look really nice and clean. Like you said, David, you can fully adjust those. I mean, looking at the picture, you can 
razors pedals you can have a really high set of pedals He's someone with uh large feet i mean that's you know a problem i run into quite often i wear size 13. there's i just saw i just spotted an, a third axis of adjustment there uh you can actually alter the tilt of them as well yeah it's um it's pretty wild and that thing's loaded up with nylon nuts on it too so you're not you bunk layer down once and you're done and it's you can it's got the hydraulic uh you know fluid reservoir behind a clutch and a brake um traditional kind of hydraulic looking pedals because of that it looks like it comes with the base plate with everything mounted on it and ready to go well and looking at the way that 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 third axis that i found um i think that's actually good for if you invert them because you can tilt them back out a little bit because right now they're straight up and down and it, and it's adjusted all the way basically straight straight up it it's at its minimum i guess it's its lowest so if you if you moved it up any higher it would actually tilt the pedal to a to a more uh i don't remember the geometry word not obtuse acute angle i don't know if you can take hydraulic pedals and flip them upside down though arbitrarily if they're not designed for that because of the fluid thing well I, that's what i'm saying though is i think that means it's designed for that imagine mashing the brakes though and blowing that line you're not gonna blow a braided line on <laughs> on a sim stuff you're blowing you that bristol you might you could blow the fitting maybe <laughs> if it's done wrong but braided lines are pretty indestructible Okay, so that's our pedal show for the pedals. What's next, guys? Uh, let's pick up where we left off. It's Brian. All right, I got got this for you. It's um, it's, we'll get back to back to earth as far as price goes. Uh, this is the Complex SimWorks uh, Flaglight System. So it's Complex is spelled C O M P L X SimWorks, and basically. What they got are um, little hockey pucks with the uh, flag lights on them, the LED lights that uh, are programmable. Um, I'm assuming you'd probably go through a third-party uh, software like SimHub to uh, program these uh, pock lights. And you can set them up for, you know, different green flags, red flags, uh, yellow flags, stuff like that. And um, probably uh, if you're using a product like Sim. Hub, you can probably set them up for RPM, so it'll brighten up your system. You know, brighten up your rig. Uh, uh, it's always cool to have more lights and more doodads. Um, they come in at seventy dollars for the full high flag round. Um, so uh, yeah, so that's something you can check out if you're looking for uh, flag lights on your rig. Cool. They also some have some have some other products too. They sell a a stream deck uh, XL. Um, they have um, they even have cup holders for uh, eighty twenty rigs, so uh, keyboard holders, stuff like What's that. The website. We uh, lost our. This link is here. actually a. This is an Etsy, uh, an Etsy um, company. So if you go to Etsy, E T S Y, look up Complex SimWorks, it'll come up. All right, we were talking earlier about wheels with displays. Here's another one that we have comes from VPG Sim Labs. It's a EU company and it's running for 950 pounds. They also have some other accessories. Uh, you take a glance at it and it looks like a pretty good standard formula format. It's got quite a few buttons. It's got the two thumb toggles. We got uh, three rotary knobs in the middle. 
double actually, paddle. It's double paddle, and act, so it's actually double clutch. So the lower the lower paddles are actually going to be analog instead of uh, instead of digital, right? Which is re- really good for launching either out of the pits or on a standing start. And it actually does have four thumb rotaries, not just two th- thumb rotaries. And the four-way hat switch. Got, it's got just about everything you need on it, uh, plus the screen if you happen to be on triples or single. This seems like a good value for that wheel with a screen kind of you know, package. Uh, I think traditionally we've seen these 1,200 to 1,500 or more. Uh, well, this is only 950. Yeah, it's 950 pounds, though. That's going to be about 1,250 oh, dollar-wise. Okay. Anybody admiring the color palette that they have on their website? Like, it's flashy. Yeah, you could order different colors. Uh, they have black, blue, red, or gold. And that would be like the button cover, the button color or the uh, label color. And then the, the panels are all carbon fiber, though. They also sell uh, a whole bunch of different other accessories, too, in their shop for, like, dashboards. Um, front button button guards different thumb knobs i think those are actually the front knob and thumb knob i think are replacements or i guess you could change the color maybe if you want good product though uh upper end but not not outrageous that's vpg simlab.co.uk a new company for us uh, it seems like we always are finding new ones Next up I got is a Fanatec owners group. Uh, Facebook has a Fanatec owners group you can join, which let you discuss and ask and answer questions about your Fanatec product, like how to remove a wheel that's stuck on the wheel base. Aha, I see this one's for me. No, I I actually think I am in this group, and I have gotten some ideas uh, from some guys. Uh, Like when I had the problem before, I got the idea to update my firmware and uh, stuff from this group. So... I definitely recommend it if you have one of these wheel bases. Yeah, there's a lot of Fanatic uh, owners out there, and um, it seems like uh, problems crop up here and there. So, uh, th- and uh, Fanatec's online um, customer support is pretty pretty tough to really get answers from. Um, so, this might might help people out quite a bit if, if they're having issues with anything. Now- now, Brian, I think when I put this link in here, it wasn't about just the group, but it was the post that the, that comes up when you click that link. So there's a particular post, and it's really a rig review that was posted to this group. And so if you look at that, this guy's got an 80-20 rig that he, like, it folds up where the seat kind of folds against the wheel. You see in that? No, no. I'm just. It just takes me to the uh, homepage of the group. Oh. Yeah, and it's the top. It's the front one here. It's, so basically, it's an eighty. Is that an eighty twenty, Mike? Or it's, maybe some smaller version of an eighty twenty. I don't know. I I really like the the way they advertise this because the way that he's built this rig, um, him and his daughter can use it uh, to play games. It's showing her playing games, uh, playing. It looks like. I think a Grand Turismo game or something like that, but it adjusts into kid size so that, and she just has to put a pillow behind her, but she can reach the pedals and, and then it can go back, but then you can put it away and put it in the corner and not worry about it. It's so cool. It's in his living room. So he just pulls it over from the side of the wall over into in front of the TV. And, and like you said, the we the seat and everything adjust, you know, from a small child up to a full adult, the way he's got it built. 
freaking really, cool really simple like even when the girl comes in and changes it to the kid size she just has to notch it or pull it up forward and it kind of sits in in a slot and then that's where it goes and then she just puts a pillow behind her it, it's kind of a unique idea it looks like he's got some pivots or some kind of hinges on the the seat platform so it can hinge up and and move closer and higher for her or he can hinge it down you know to to have it fully you know extended so i've got a rig review on us uh for the next one it comes out of uh aussie aussie stig racing i don't know if i said that right or not um and it's a play seat what jumps out to me though is the number of rims as well as the racing helmet and the shoes and hat it, and just the cleanliness of the room it makes me look definitely he has much better cable management that's for sure i can't tell if this is a play seat rig that has the this the spike or the post that goes up the middle or off to the right um but it's pretty neat looking it's got d-box on each corner yeah it does Wow. It, it must be a different type of placey because there is no center post. There are side posts. It's yeah, I'm, that's what I'm seeing. I don't see a center post. And uh, I'm not sure because there's there's a there's a bar there, but I just can't tell how far right it's go it is, if it's in the middle or not. But you would know better because like you it's actually the right have a side. Placey. Yeah, they're both on it's on both sides. This is a new design. I don't know if I've ever seen this placey because Basically, they really only have two different types, the Formula play seat and the their GT kind of version play seat. What's that this green kind color? Of different is one. that Ashton Martin? Or? Yeah, that'd be, their, that'd be the British Racing Green. Right. And this this is a, is the base actually a part of the play seat, or is that something they had to get for the D-Box platform? Because you, you can see the bar. You got the green roll bar. I'm going to look up play seat stuff here right now. Hold on. It's pretty freaking cool. It looks like the the play seat is just the seat because that that tubing there it doesn't even look wrapped. It almost looks powder coated. Well, you do see the play seat logo on the side though of the base. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I see that now. That's that's it. A very nice setup. All right, so we're gonna move to the next one, Brian, because Hold I on, have I been thinking about button boxes. Before you go to that one, Brian, sorry, I'm just going to interrupt here. So the play seat is called the Sensation Pro. It is $2,900, or, two, two, or sorry, $2,100. It's uh, It looks like something new that they've just done. So cool. that's quite interesting uh, um, that they've changed their design. It's, it's It has no center pole um, and has a bigger footprint for the pedals it looks more sturdier wow that is something it's kind of a tubular uh cockpit got a really nice wraparound racing seat though i don't know that's a lot of money for a tubular cockpit i would rather have 80 20. you know it's funny if you get it in in metallic it's only 1900 dollars. if it's black it's 21 uh and i think it's probably more if it's under there's a it's twenty three twenty four hundred dollars in the Forza Motorsports package, and then it's almost twenty four hundred dollars for the FIA package. So I wonder if this is a custom color with the British Racing Green. Yeah, he might have painted that himself or something. Okay, uh, so yeah, button boxes, uh, Brian. I've been thinking about 
buying the Derek Spears designs that mount to each side of my uh, DD1. But this one is a nice alternative that I found uh, as an alternative. What do you think? Yeah, it's uh, from a company called CSE, which stands for Custom Sim Engineering. And this is what they call the Arouge uh, button box. Um, it is uh, mounts directly to a Fanatec direct drive wheelbase like you have, Mike. So it's a left-hand side uh, mount. So it's going to go in those two uh, screw holes on the on your on the front of your direct drive wheelbase. So it comes as opposed to Derek Spears, uh, which kind of is a horizontal button system. This kind of comes out and turns downward at a, a ninety degree, and it's more. Uh, more vertical so it has a like an engine start button and then a, a, a switch at the top a couple dials underneath that a couple toggle switches buttons and rotary stuff at the bottom so and it's all with a uh with a uh carbon fiber print on on that as well so uh it's a nice looking system and uh it's kind of neat that it's got that uh the vertical look to it as opposed to derek derek has the uh, uh horizontal um it's coming out of uh, Europe, I'm assuming, because it's uh, it's 159 pounds. So I'm assuming it's it's coming from uh, England or, or somewhere in that area. Uh, but that's the CSE En Rouge, and uh, you can check that out. And they do have button boxes for the other Fanatec, Fanatec uh, wheelbases as well, the CSL Elites, too. I just love it because I think it's less footprint than the DSDs. Uh, it doesn't take up as much space. But those DSDs, you know, I put them on each side. Um, you know, they're sticking out seven inches or something on both the left and right side of the base. And I was telling Tony that it covers up my steering wheel. It'll cover up my fourth monitor. I'm going to have to find a whole different solution for those two items if I get that. If I get this button, button box, I only have to deal with one of them, you know, because it's only on one side, not both. Um, and it's a little bit more low profile. I don't think it sticks out seven inches. It might only stick out like five or four. Well, it's, the DSCs are not, are not going to cover up your steering wheel at all. They're behind it. Well, it has a, just like this one does, it has a spacer to get you past your steering wheel before the buttons start. Yeah. All it is um, is to get your fingers past the, when you're shifting. It's so you don't but hit your your fingers on the on the ball you don't want them behind the wheel right yeah yeah it's another good option uh, especially if you don't want to buy a set because you've already got something on the other side um i'm you know i'm counting the buttons i've got like 15 or no 16 uh features i guess you could say on on one side of my dsd uh so it, I don't. Yeah, I can't really say good or bad. Um, looks good, and it's O Rouge since we're getting all pronunciation perfect now. I was gonna say um, with this also, this would be good for Mike when his paddles. He can just shift from from the buttons instead of the paddles, right? Because he always has problems with his paddles not working. Well, it, that's actually been fixed since the firmware update. So uh, I think, knock on wood, that resolved that. But I'm definitely looking at this price-wise. I mean, it's right at the same price as what a, you know a Derek Spears would be if I was to buy two of them. You know, they're very similar. So it's just a matter of what's my preference. So what is um, a pair? What is a pair of DSDs now? For three hundred. Okay. Yeah. This is two twenty. 
Yeah. So do you not, is the reason you're looking for something to mount to your, uh, your rim mic, is it because you don't have anywhere to mount another button box too? Yeah. Why you're doing it? Pretty, pretty much. I mean, I, there's another option. I could just buy a regular, like a square, you know, rectangle button box, simple. And I do have a place down below the fourth monitor. I could mount that. Um, and it would be okay. It wouldn't be horrible. And I wouldn't have to move anything if I did that. But I like the idea of that the what David has, and, uh, and I just think it looks cool. And I think this one actually looks a little better, though. Yeah, directly mounting to the to the wheelbase is pretty convenient. Even though there is profile there that you could mount to in the same location. I mean, it's literally my boxes are literally leaning against the profile that holds the wheel up. I don't know. So more to come. I haven't decided. I was telling Tony, I'm almost waiting for that Max Pappas seat to be announced as far as for sale and what the price is, because I really want a seat, but I don't, I'm not going to buy both of them. So we're going to do one more quick one before we go into results. Uh, we had trouble with this video, Brian, but it's about Philips Hue awesomeness. And I think Tony and I saw this video, but he, this guy has Philips Hue bulbs in some kind of fixtures. I don't know exactly what. And he's got it set up or programmed in a way where they, the light in the room will fluctuate depending on if he is in shade or if he's in the sun or if he's driving through a tunnel. Like when he drives through a tunnel, the room goes dark real quick, and then he comes out of the tunnel and the room lightens up again. Or yeah, this is pretty wicked looking. I've got it pulled up. If he yeah, drives the into the sun, sun and the sun is shining into the cockpit, everything is real bright from the Philips Hughes lights. I would like to see, does he have any pictures of what it looks like on the outside, like where they're mounted? There's nothing else besides this video. Now, the guy who is B-Row Florin, he promised this weekend that he is going to post up a video of how he has accomplished this what kind of software and hardware he's done uh, to make this happen and share it with everybody. So more to come. Hopefully we'll know more by next week. Uh, but this is freaking cool. Just when you thought that we had as much immersion as we could and you go and add another element, another sense. This is perfect if you don't have triple, if you have triples or if you're not using VR, because normally I just keep the room dark, but wouldn't it be cool if, you know, the, the lighting around my face and my body kind of lit up uh, as the sun came up, you know, as I'm driving the 24-hour Lamar, it gradually gets brighter and brighter and brighter. I mean, it's a, it is another new level of immersion. That is pretty cool. I just, and, I, just even going underneath the, the like, un, in the, underneath the bridges and stuff like that, where it just quickly goes dark and then flashes back to the sunlight. Yeah, the uh, brilliance from the sunlight coming in the cockpit, that looked really cool, too. It, it almost looks like the light he's putting on his arms is like an orange, you know, bright orange kind of light, you know, like to kind of replicate sunlight, so to speak. Yeah, you, it'll be really pro if you can, if you can make it at nighttime blink whenever somebody's flashing their lights behind you. Oh, yeah, I'd love that. Okay, we're going to jump to results. And so let's talk NASCAR iRacing Series. We have the Easter off week. 
Uh, so we'll jump right into Martinsville this week. Last night, uh, we didn't have a big turnout, did we, David? Uh, it was me and Tom. That was it. Uh, you had a recital that you were at because, um, yeah, you actually do family things, right? Yeah, I missed the race, but uh, how'd you run? Uh, P9, you know. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of racing to be done, to be honest. It was just a matter of not whether you could keep your nose clean. I did my darndest to keep it clean. Uh, and actually had to start a lap down because I, I think I was moving stuff around in VR and accidentally closed the the uh, iRacing window when we were going lining up so but fortunately there was a caution on lap one so i only lost one lap and quickly got it back like three laps later uh i ended up having to run the last 50 laps with 16x just holding on trying to i was really having to be even extra careful racing as if i was you know farming safety rating and just letting people go anytime they even took a took a peek uh, but everybody just kept getting in trouble and I managed to bring away a P9 after a top split race with 30 cautions for 147 laps. Now, David, looking at that, did uh, what time did you finish at? What time was that race took, done at? It took two and a half hours. So the reason I didn't run last night is because I had to be up at two o'clock in the morning. So David was probably just finishing up when I had to go to work. Uh, we finished at eleven thirty Eastern. Damn. Yeah, because you know it starts at nine Eastern. It was it was ridiculous. You know we're sitting here top split. I'm the 29th car uh, coming P 9th but everybody was just they wouldn't they wouldn't settle down, and it and it it gets into that feedback loop where everybody expects there's going to be a caution in three laps so i got to get what i can get right now and they just keep driving stupid and driving stupid one of the four x's i got was after the yellow had already came out and this guy just decided to, i mean law it was a it probably could have been sent in but i just could i couldn't find it when i went back and looked at the replay um but i mean 30 cautions and we're talking we're talking the top split it's 30 uh, 30 cautions out of 250 laps, 140 of them, almost almost the length of the A Open race was under caution. Yeah, and I ran today and I had a similar experience. It was 25 cautions though, it wasn't 30. Um, I think maybe the longest run was maybe 20 laps or something, but it was just one after the other pretty much most of the race. For the first time in, I can't remember, maybe ever, I got to run the same split as Tony Rochette. Uh, so there were three splits. I think we were in the middle split. I was car two and he was 25 or something like that. So uh, I ended up running uh, P18. I got DQ'd out with 25 incidents with 10 to go, which doesn't really tell the story of my race because I kept it clean um, for the longest time. I had a little front end damage, maybe 30 seconds, still had my RPMs. I was only at 4x at about 30 to go. I was in second with fresher tires than the leader, and I was on his bumper, um, just kind of waiting to, to pounce. And uh, and a caution came out at some point right there, and it, it went downhill ever since. I got caught up in crap. I got wrecked. I got 
in stuff that wasn't my doing and uh, the incidents just started piling up and before you know it, drive through. And before you know it, I'm DQ'd. And uh, it, it turned out being one particular guy gave me 12 of my ex and uh, apparently he wrecked a lot of others too. But it always seems like there's one guy in the race that's like that. And it only takes a couple of them because it takes so long for them to get DQ'd out. It was funny. There were I heard one person complain and say they should use the the same dirt track X system that they used at uh, Bristol, right? Because it was a little bit you could get away with a few more contacts at Bristol, but the at dirt you could also have the contact and not have the caution every two laps. Even though we got the Bristol dirt was pretty caution festy too, but this was worse. Um, and if you if you make it even harder to get excess, it's just going to be take make the race take even longer. Uh, but on that same token, the there's real inconsistency in the caution, uh, caution or the way the X's come out because you could T-bone a guy and get a zero X, and then you could nudge a guy and get a four X. Oh yeah, too easy to get four X at Martinsville. It really is. Uh, Tony Rochette had a much better race. He finished third. Uh, uh, he said, dodge and weaved and survived with only a ghost 4X. Uh, tried to get to the leaders, but was getting loose on exit. Um, he just had better skill than I did. I mean, he was able to avoid those wrecks that I couldn't avoid. And and he picked his way through there. And uh, he started actually dead last uh, in the race, uh, tail end. And he worked his way up there and had a great run. So uh, he said he's going to be one and done. I'm tempted to not run either. Uh, you know, comes up Friday, but I've got a good, strong, high point finish, so I don't need to run. Or I could run with low pressure, but it's just—it's not fun to spend 150 laps under caution. It's just not enjoyable. Okay, let's talk official PDS Euro Sprint. Yeah, I had already announced one of them, but uh, brought home two Daytona wins this week. It's—it's a—that's a fun track that just know pretty well and I tend to do better in that car road wise than I do in other cars so two wins at Daytona okay and the Delara jet car uh, you told me we need a better name in that maybe we call it the Delara 01 I don't know it just doesn't roll off the tongue might as well just call it Delara Batmill Bill if we're going to call it jet car I don't know well I ran spa on Friday DNF I uh now, I, I complained last week about lack of participation, but I think it was just my time of day. It was too late in the day. And when I ran Friday during the day, it was actually pretty good participation. I was surprised. Um, I started in the back. I gained a few spots right off the bat, but I went off and lost them. And then I was actually trying to pass a guy, and we hit, and I got damaged. And uh, when these cars break, yeah, the wheels come off uh, usually, and uh, you're done for the day, so DNF. I did buy the uh, new track for this week, uh, Road America. I, I never had owned it. I bought it. I ran uh, laps on Monday night, I think. Uh, maybe 20 laps at Road America, which is a really long track. Uh, just trying to get up to speed. I never raced it, though, because I, I, I just don't feel like I know the track well enough to race it. But I'm trying. All right, league and hosted. Let's talk OBRL. Aftermath Truck Series. Uh, Brian, I don't know if you ran, but we did hear from Dwayne MacArthur telling us that uh, Steve Thompson won that race. 
Yeah, he sure did. Uh, so uh, he's. Uh, they were at Martinsville this past Wednesday. That's the Aftermath Truck Series. Steve Thompson gets the win. Uh, second place goes to Josh Robinson. D. Wayne MacArthur, Canadian's finest, finishes third place. All right. Thanks, Dwayne, for that update. Dwayne was a uh, guest on the show last last time, and uh, it was a really good interview. And then tonight we're going to run uh, some Eucora, or no, it's called UCRA now, right? Mm-hmm. We're are we at Chicago? Chicago Oval. Chicago Oval. Oval, yeah. Yeah, so I think I'll turn up for that one since it's an Oval. It's so so much harder to have any pace in that car compared to a car where you kind of have to brake. And especially considering all those guys know that car so well. And then going into Monday, I'll be running Fast Track uh, Sim Racing League uh, at Martinsville. Um, and where I think A.J. Pritchett is going to be joining us, joining that league with us with Mike Morley, uh, with me and Tom Dryling. And we do have the Musket 250 this weekend as well. That's a majors. It's a majors race in That'll the Modifieds at at uh new hampshire and it was almost as bad as running at uh, martinsville with the cautions Gridfinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims including over 80 i racing leagues filter your search by racing sim car class race day and region finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. Grid Finder. Gridfinder.com. The home of online sim racing leagues. Okay, let's get into final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. Um, let's see. Last Friday with the uh, being the Easter holiday, uh, NASCAR was off. We had a little a little race that we uh, put together kind of last minute for the iRacers Lounge podcast and some of the Defosi team members. I think everybody here was in that race except for Tyler. Um, we ran a 40-lapper at a auto club, and it was a, it was a really good time for a, you know, a short little race, uh, short notice. Uh, we had a couple other guys from the team that were in there, and, and, a, and a few other fellows wound up joining us. And uh, I think uh, David, you were the fin- highest Tifosi finisher, right? You think you got third place? Yeah, and I should have been last place, but I, I, even though I tried to talk you out of it, you know, threw a caution mid midway, which gave me the lucky dog, and then just drove right back up through the field. The, yeah. the two guys that finished first and second, though, just had the whole field covered. Once I wrecked. Yeah, wasn't that one guy, like, I was amazed at how he was riding the top. He was on the Kyle Larson lane big time. Like, he was entering, he was right, like, a, six inches from the wall, entering the corner. But it worked, like... It was right. fun up there. Like it was, it was tough to do, but man, that track gave you so much. Like it was one of the best multi-groove racing that we've, I've been a part of in a while. Like we, we had, I think we, there was four of us racing at one point. We all went into the corner and we all had a different line and was able to run through it. And you know, and nobody was in the way. Um, some guys got to run, some didn't. But that outside line, if you once the tires got older and you could run that line and get some speed he was uh he was hauling it there and um yeah i wish i wouldn't have touched the wall uh following right behind you mike when i got tight because uh i was probably the only one that was able to uh to stay with those guys for a while there uh 
considering I qualified on the pole by over, I think, two-tenths faster than everybody, too. Well, that guy came into the race asking if you can run the wall like the B car, so he had he had already been practicing that that style of racing for quite a bit. It was fun. I, th- I think the hard part of that event was organizing it, trying to figure out what are we going to race, when are we going to race it, and so forth. I call it herding cats. I think we should do that track again, though, in that combination. I did again. too. I think we could make the. I think we could make the race a little bit longer next time. Uh, maybe maybe next time NASCAR has off week and NIS is off, uh, we can do something like that. And I'm going to miss that track. I hope they have it one more year with it. I heard heard rumors that they might keep it for one more year before they switch it over to uh, the short track. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I kind of hope they have one more year. Uh, so we can race it again next year, and NASCAR has a night a, a better send off for that track because it was it was a lot of fun. And as, uh, yeah, I'll make this my final thought. As much as it uh, was a kind of a slightly boring track early on, it started to as it started to age, it got way better. Um, you know, that is the way that's the case with a lot of tracks. I hope the engineers that pave tracks can find a way to make them have that have new surfaces have the same qualities as those older surfaces uh, because some of the best racing recently has been at california and kudos to iRacing for the changes they've made to the track surface and different things dynamic track to make it what it is um, it really did race well i'm wondering if we should do it in the xfinity car at that track next time I want to see some kind of multi-class kind of thing going too, like trucks and cup or trucks or cup and Xfinity. We need to get a registration though, of every, so we can kind of equal it out, not have like two Xfinity guys show up and the rest are cup or something like that. Okay, let's keep moving. David Hall, final thought. Done, did it. Greg Hectus, final thought. Still the same thing as last week. Want to race? Haven't raced. Get out there and get it. Okay, Tyler Williamson, thank you for coming on. And you're certainly welcome back every time if you can make it. Uh, what are your final thoughts? Now, I just want to say thank you to you guys. Thank you guys for letting me join the team and just all the help uh, all of our teammates have really shares really helped me out big time. And I got to say a huge thank you to Brian. He's, he's He answers all my stupid questions before I send them to you guys. So um, he's been a great teammate and just very, very excited to be here. Thank you guys. All right. Yeah, we're happy to have you. All right. My final thoughts. Yeah, I'm just contemplating what to buy next for my setup. Is it going to be the Max Pappas orange and black uh, racing seat? Or is it going to be the Derek Spears Designs uh, button boxes for the DD1? Uh, Or maybe that other one, the Custom Sim Engineering uh, vertical box I saw. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm debating... This is kind of something I do whenever I buy something. I kind of weigh the pros and cons. Uh, what product is going to give me uh, the best value? Uh, what do I want? I don't know. But it's sure fun looking at it and trying to figure out how to spend money. So with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. 
Facebook and Twitter. See you on the track.